Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Chris Mason, Connor Bailey, and Caleb Jones. And we can put the rumors to bed. Caleb actually does work out before the show. That's right. <laughs> I, we, I can get it in. We've been talking about how we both work out at the same gym, but we never run into each other. And I just think it's so funny because I want to start the show with this. Chris, I walked by him and I said to myself, no, that's not Caleb. That's just the guy that looks like him. <laughs> I, I was mid-set. I could not interrupt that. <laughs> yeah, he just ignored me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's, just, it's not really Caleb Jones. No, but it was the stat monster. It was. All right. So what let's numbers get... are you putting up? Yeah, what numbers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was on the uh, the press machine, so it's it's a little inflated. So uh, they're, they're rookie numbers, yeah. no matter what. Uh-huh. So, so let's uh, kick things off here by raising our glasses. No, I'm just kidding. We've got nothing here, but a ten regular season champs, the VCU Rams. Connor, are you surprised? Uh, no, because I'm pretty sure in one of our very first podcast uh beginning of november i said we were going to win the a10 and we were going to be a 10 seed NCAA tournament now that's a different discussion for a different day but uh you know preseason it was all dayton and st louis they, they were the two teams getting a lot of love it was you, you picked one or the other vcu was kind of always the third team but I, I feel like they were always hey maybe they'll sneak in and get a, get an at-large bid but they were constantly the third team no one was getting we weren't getting disrespected i'd say straight up but we weren't getting the love i thought we should have and i understood it we had some new transfers we, we brought back the least amount of ta- of players that had already played at VCU compared to Dayton and St. Louis. They had a lot more proven players at those schools. Um, but, I mean, quite frankly, in December, <laughs> I didn't think this team was going to finish first. Um, so I'm excited, man. It, and, I mean, I look at the Duquesne game, the, the the second A-10 game. Awful, awful first half, pretty bad second half, too. And we were questioning, is this a team that, you know, there, there was there was question, is this team going to go 10-8, and 11-7? They turned it on, started that first game against Dave, uh, Davidson, our third A-10 game, that home noon game. And um, now we're now – we're, 14 and 3, A10 title champs and we have one more game left before we head to Brooklyn. Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised, especially when we were in early December and lost at Temple. We lost that Duquesne game where we looked totally catatonic and you know, there were just times early on in the season where I was just like, "Ooh, I don't I don't really know what this team's got." Um, I think we got the firepower and you know, if we can get hot from deep and play defense like we're accustomed to, then we can make some noise. But I thought that we would stub our toe on the road a little more than we did. Uh, but then you think back to Davidson, uh, where Ace hits that shot with 15 seconds left. You think back to Zeb hitting the winner at Rhode Island. And this team just has a winning mentality. They stick together. They do things the right way. And uh, you know, now looking back, it makes sense. But I'm really proud of this team. And uh, you know, winning the regular season is no small feat. Um, I mean, you proved that you're the best team in the entire conference. And yeah, I mean, I still think that, you know, uh, Dayton is very dangerous. St. Louis has taken a step back. 
But I think, without a doubt, we are the top team in the A-10. Well, and we continue to be. You know, that's why I'm not that shocked, because since joining the A-10, Connor, what was it, 2012-13 or 13-14? Mm-hmm. 12-13. This, this is year 11 So in the since then, we have the best winning percentage of any team in the conference during conference play. And so, yeah, I mean, again, and it's another year where it was a down year for the A-10. So I'm not surprised that we came out as the top dogs. And, you know, there were some rough patches this season, but... The road wins is the reason we got this done. Seven road wins in a row. Coach Rhodes is road warriors. And I love how he kept talking about every road game, you know, they were getting closer and closer as a family. And you're seeing that team chemistry on display. Yeah, I think the chemistry and then just the overall toughness toughness that these guys have. I mean, regardless of all their backgrounds, I think that Rhodes and crew recruit a similar type of player. And uh, that really showed and paid off. You mentioned Red Wins, Adam. Um, I mean, you look at the standings. Dayton's alone in second. Will be the two seed in the NCAA tournament or in the A ten tournament. Excuse me. Got a road win there. Kind of pulled it out of our, our butts that night, but <laughs> got a road win there. Uh, tied for third right now in the in the fourth slot is St. Louis. Road win there. Uh, you kind of get on the list. Uh, you know, pot- potential teams we could play in the eight nine game. St. Joseph's road win. Richmond road win. Davidson road win. Uh, so like you said, huge road wins all year. We're seven and one on the road. Uh, got one final one at GW. But uh, it's it's one thing if a team plays real well at home. Richmond, Richmond's played real well at home this year. They've only lost, I think, two or three total home games this year. They're also, what is it, 14 and 15 overall, I want to say right now? 14 and 16. So if you can't win on the road, you're a mediocre basketball team. Rhode Island's in the same boat. They beat St. Louis and Dayton at home, uh, who we beat, obviously, there. So, yeah, they uh, it's it's important. And it's, yeah, Dayton, they kind of hammered at home, actually, yeah. like double digits. But uh, if you can't win on the road, you're a mediocre basketball team. And in all sports is how it is, but in college basketball, you're a mediocre basketball team and your ceiling's only so high. VCU got it done on the road this year. Chris, I know you're a postseason guy. You're a show me what you're made of in the postseason. Show me an NCAA banner. You're upset if we ever go to the NIT, even if we win the whole thing. But how do you feel about being regular season champs? It's awesome. Yeah. Like end result, preseason, not shocking. But yeah, the way they got there, very amazing like lineup changes um developed through the season so that was a great effort and yes yeah, awesome i'd never seen like a trophy celebration a lap around the court which like a great atmosphere there so that's getting into my crowd segment but it was like a crazy like clinching game at home which was amazing that's see. a great point connor had we ever clinched at home during our time in school so i mean this is only the second outright a10 title um 2019 four years ago we our final game of the year was a Friday night against St. Joseph's, but we won at George Mason that Tuesday, kind of like the St. Louis game this week, a weekday game. That was the game where George Mason scored like 37 points. I mean, we shut them down defensively. We clinched the A-10 that night, I'm pretty sure. Um, before that, I mean, we we shared a title in 2016, but you know, no no outright title. We actually were leading, and then we lost a date in the last game of the year. Other than that, it was the three Anthony Grant seasons, 07, 08, 09, um, which is kind of just – it's just going farther back. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like a baseball clinching, like you celebrate when you win the division, and that's like pretty rare in college basketball. The moment was definitely awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was glad to be there celebrating with the guys, got some great pictures. I loved it, man. Yeah, I mean, and and to add on to that, I mean, we're hopefully, if we play well at GW, we're going to win the conference by two games. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had, I think Davidson had the number one rated toughest schedule in the conference. And we were right there behind them at two. So it's not like we went through the easy, you know, you know, the back end of the conference and won games we should have. Right. Not everyone no, had to play. We played Dayton twice. And we played St. Louis, St. Louis twice. twice. We played Richmond twice. We played, uh, you know, Davidson, who actually, well, they're kind of, eh. But, you know, uh, we, we played the tough teams, the teams that I want to beat uh, to get 
that number one spot. So let's go back to the game against the Richmond Spiders, the second Capital City Classic that was February 24th. We haven't recorded a pod since that win. And, uh, you know, it was a close game uh, at the beginning, and then VCU just kind of ran away with it. I want to say it like the 10-minute mark in the first half, VCU just went on a crazy run. And I remember, I don't know if I'm getting this right, Connor, but I think the score was 17-11, to then all of a sudden it was 25-17. We went on like a 14-0 run to pull away from the Spiders. Yeah, I remember um, Roach for uh, Ro- Jason Roach for Richmond hit a three. from the. It was like off an off a inbounds pass in the corner. And then I feel like they didn't do anything for a while. Um, you, you look at the numbers, uh, you know, Richmond only turned the ball over 11 times, which is not that not that much compared to, our, you know, how good our defense can be. Rebounds are the big one. VCU, 40-29. to 29, And, um, you know, obviously Chris Mooney, it sounds like he had a successful surgery, but, you know, he was he was not coaching that night. And uh, I feel like Richmond's – or VCU's plan was like, hey, you can throw the ball to Neil Quinn. He can back our guy down, and you can kill 20 seconds on the shot clock, and he can get a layup. We're up 15 right now. You, you can do that. Uh, you, we just don't want your guys hitting threes. And that was I, I was like frustrated for a little bit. And I was like, okay, yeah. we're just gonna we're gonna let their big guy. We're gonna let him milk 20 seconds and make a layup. That's it's fine defense for me. Rhodes said exactly that in his post game presser. He was like, we just can't let them get hot from D. You saw what they did against St. Louis the other night. Um, so I mean, that was the game plan: take away the three ball, make them nickel and dime it down in the paint. Uh, I mean, props to Neil Quinn for having a good game, but. That fell right into our game plan, Yeah, uh, which is great to see. And, Caleb, me and you got together for a post-game beer. It's a a tradition I've been doing after every win. Uh, Go out to a a local uh, watering hole and grab a beer. We went out to Commercial Tap. Love the environment there. Uh, But as we were drinking beers, we were talking about how every time Richmond got a basket and it felt like they got a little momentum, VCU got a dunk or a three-point shot. And it was almost like, we'll take your momentum and you could shove it up your A. Yeah, I mean, early on you could tell we were just going to grind out that game. I mean, if they just stayed 100% from three, maybe they could stay in it. But, I mean, you just felt that we were going to wear them down after the first 10 minutes. When did Jameer Watkins get 11 points and nine rebounds against Richmond? I'll be honest. It was quiet. I'll be honest. Like, you know, Richmond was at this point six days ago. St. Louis was in the most recent game, the, the clincher. Richmond, you know, that, that game happens Friday, Saturday. I'm, I'm watching basketball day. I honestly don't even remember him getting 11 points and nine rebounds. Well, because he had two quick dunks that were after, like, uh, Spiders three-pointers or something. It was just yeah. the craziest thing. He got so many transition buckets. And you're right, it was a quiet 11 points and nine rebounds. And then the next game, he followed that up with probably the dunk of the season, Connor. Oh, he's, oh yeah. He, he, <laughs> just, uh, he just, like, Shove that down. St. Louis's throat. I love that jam. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jameer's kind of done that. Uh, it, you know, he had a, he had a huge game at, at Richmond back in January. He had like 15 points, 10 rebounds. But he's the kind of guy, even if he's not shooting the ball well, he's someone he can, he's going to get rebounds. He can get some steals too. Um, I, I just looking at the box score now, I kind of forgot that he had 11 points yeah. and nine rebounds. And we had 19 points off the bench and we have weapons now off the bench. You mentioned Watkins. Uh, Zeb Jackson's already had a game winner and feels like he's getting more comfortable in the offense. I love him being the uh, backup point guard. Josh Banks, you know, we are a pro Josh Banks podcast. Absolutely. And Definitely. so we'd love to see him get some minutes. And even Toby Lawall had four points against Richmond. He had the big oop against Richmond, too, man. I, I mean, he jammed that sucker, dude. <laughs> that was an awesome oop. Yeah, just both games, Richmond and St. Louis, just we can't overlook Ace Baldwin. He played 37 minutes, 13 seconds versus Richmond, and then 37 minutes, 57 seconds versus 
um, St. Louis. So that's just ridiculous. Yeah, his, Coming his out usage is... It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and the theme of both games was just <laughs> pounding the paint. VCU, right. you know, we said this at the beginning of the year. Like, that's when VCU is going to be at their best when they're going down low to Deloach Jr. Or to Deloach and to Brandon Johns Jr. Uh, but I didn't expect them to get this many paint points game after game after game. 52 paint points against St. Louis. 52 of your 79 points were in the paint. Yeah, and that uh, makes up for shooting the three ball poorly. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, I mean, and it's not point paints in the sense where, I mean, some of the points come from us posting up on the block and having a, a short, you know, close shot. A lot of it's Nick Kern going to the basket, guys slashing, Jameer Watkins going to the basket, Zeb going to the basket. And just making the defense react and then finding the open man. Yeah, and, th- and that's why Rhodes always preaches keeping the ball hot on the perimeter. Because if you do and you can break a guy down off the dribble, someone's going to get an easy shot. I think I saw our friends at VC Ram Nation tweet. I think it, I think it was before the St. Louis game. And, you know, I think it was Wednesday. I think it was the day after the St. Louis game. Uh, Nick Kern has the best field goal percentage in A-10 play by any A-10 player. The only downside is, for majority of the stats, his attempts are a little lower because it kind of came off in the second half. Uh, Maybe maybe Venning up at Bonaventure might have a better field goal percentage. A couple of the big guys are probably better because they probably have more shots. But if you kind of expanded the minimum attempts, Nick Kern's first. And that reminds me, and I've been pleading with everyone on this podcast for a while, it reminds me he's a different position player, but Justin Tillman as a sophomore in the 2015-16 season was the trash man. He would just run that baseline at all times Jaquan Lewis, every Melvin, if Melvin missed a three, Tillman was there for the rebound and stuff. And Nick Kern just runs that baseline. He's always ready for a dunk, backdoor layup, runs the floor so well. And and you mentioned a lot of our uh, points in the paint. Yeah, John's John's and Deloach score, but Nick Kern goes will go six for seven from the floor. And you're like, well, how is that possible? Well, three of them are dunks, two of them are wide open layups, and one of them is a little finger roll. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's scored double figures three out of the last four games, with one of those being an 18 point performance. Yeah, he was plus so, I mean, minus he's plus really 17 the other game. Yeah, I mean his scoring average like three weeks ago was maybe three or four points a game, and it's already you know climbing steadily. So, so my biggest takeaway from the game against St. Louis was that all five of your starters had double figures and you know you could really count on them Mr. Consistency I've been calling him all year long was Brandon Johns Jr. and you know I felt like he's been a little banged up as of recently he's been getting beat up in the post but you can always rely on him to shoot about 50 percent he had 11 points Jalen Deloach turning into a monster 14 points five rebounds Baldwin had 12 none had 12 I know you love Caleb when the backcourt combines for 20 plus points love it I mean if Jameer or Jaden Nunn can chip in with double figures and aces getting double figures like we expect. We're, that's a pretty lethal backcourt. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like Connor said, Nick Hearn, you could just you're starting to be able to rely on him to get these bunnies around the basket because he's just so athletic and he can finish with both hands. Uh, so, man, that was my biggest takeaway from the St. Louis victory. What did you think? Shriver getting two threes was huge too. Uh, but in the first half, in the uh, second half was, uh, I think it was a tie game when he hit the three in the second half to give us a three point lead. It was like 51 48. That was a huge shot. And I thought Shriver's defense was money. Money. I mean, he had a, he, he swatted, uh, was it, um, was it Pickett? Was, was no, Pickett? it was, um, was uh, it Hargrove. Hargrove took the ball and Shriver's. Yeah, and, and, no. And what pissed off me off about that play was that. They pointed and said, "No, no, no! Give it to Hargrove because Shriver's guarding him." Uh, they like it was, yeah. it was. He called ISO and Shriver called uh, block. Right? <laughs> so I, I will, I will say that one other thing I'll say, Adam. Um, how funny is it to see Larry Hughes Jr. playing for St. Louis? Dude, he looks like he's going to be an athletic monster in a couple of years. It's I, cool. I, yeah. I was because I was sitting courtside. 
He's got one of the biggest calves I've ever seen. I mean, they pop out of his, of his leg, dude. I think he's a prefer. He was a walk-on originally. I, I, he may have a scholarship. Now. I know. I know originally he was a walk-on because you know his old man played at St. Louis in the '90s, and I remember watching like Wizards games like in '02 with Larry Hughes. I always liked him, uh, but it was, it's kind of fun to see him out there. Here's one thing I love to see: is eight turnovers from Yuri Collins. I mean, he's coughing the ball up all night. Yeah, he had assist. He looks. Right. He I looks mean, frustrated. One to one assist to turnover ratio from the number one. Assist leader in the country. That's well, great here's some, one thing I noticed, and I don't want to pile on Yuri Collins too much because I do think he's a good point guard, and it's great for the league to have a guy like him leading the nation assist. But I think for a while I thought he was this unbelievable ball handler. I think he's kind of basic with it. It's through the legs, through the legs, back and forth, and and his crossover is okay, but he kind of pounds the rock too much where I feel like you've been on Ace Baldwin for this. If you get a first step, blow past him. Sometimes he'll set guys up and then just not go anywhere with it. Yeah. It's a, what are you running? Are you waiting to run the offense, I guess? I don't know, <laughs> but like – yeah, if you if you got a if you got a line on someone, you take it. Yeah, and Ace Baldwin dominated the matchup with Yuri Collins in both the matchups this year. I just saw Yuri plus minus is minus twenty, which is wild. Ooh, yeah, that's absolutely. Crazy. That's this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. We hand it off to Chris Mason, the professor. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're gonna have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. All right, so St. Louis game, last game of the season, great atmosphere. Like we said, the clinching spot at home, so very energetic, Um, long booing. Me and Connor talked about that, where it was like you said on Twitter, something like a super long that's, continuous boo. That's the longest stretch. It was the play where Ace kind of stuck his backside out, and oh. uh, it was a hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was an awful foul call. I've ne- I just crossed the two fifty mark of home games at the Seagull Center this year. I've never heard that consecutive booing at a VCU game in my life. Everyone was just. Was, oh, the crowd was maybe rowdier than they've ever been. I what's the, do you guys know the name of the guy that drinks it every game? And he wears the black and yellow pants. He's probably like sixty five, and he walks around the baseline with like. With liquor in his hand. You know what I'm talking about, Connor? No. He's like known as the VCU drunk guy. Anyway, he <laughs> was crossing over the barrier where I sit and during that play and screaming, you're the worst referee in the world. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to like some A-10 commissioner guy and he's like, man, you have to deal with these fans every game. And I kind of didn't want to like puff my chest out, but I was proud of our audience there. I'm not going to lie. I was yelling that he needed to face disciplinary action for that call. <laughs> <laughs> like repeatedly. Yeah, so... Um, it just felt like an intense kind of A-10 like atmosphere, like the crowd is ready to jump into it. So um, I'd give, well, a li- only disappointment. I kept looking behind me, me and Connor, like fourth row and the students, like a lot of times were like, get up, stand up, like all the baselines, like I've been talking about all year. And they're just sitting there like, what are these old people doing? <laughs> like, but other than that, so clinching thing overall, A for A is the grade. Let me ask you this. How did, how did you get your tickets? 804 deal. So I know that our buddy Patrick, who's a uh, fan of the pod, did that as well. And he brought like 15 high school friends. <laughs> I don't think they can do that very often because how are they supposed to make any money? But it is a great promotion because it gets guys like Patrick who are rowdy as hell. They just can't afford to go to the games. That's what you <laughs> need to do. You got to get some of the broke fans back into the stadium. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was late late Friday. You know, VC Richmond ends around 9, 10 or so. And uh, Robbie Robinson tweeted it out probably by 10 or 11 o'clock. It's a 24-hour window. So I texted a bunch of people about it. I was like, hey, 
you know, it's eight. I mean, I bought one for my fiance Morgan and I. It was two tickets cost eighteen dollars and change, and we just kind of snuck down to the fourth row, like Chris. We sat with Chris, but behind the basket by VCU's bench, and it was worth it, man. They should do that more often because put butts in the seats, man. <laughs> yeah, I um, it's very obviously pro. Sometimes in those games, you'll get some UR University of Richmond leakage, you know, and it fills out with a fair amount of them. I feel like that was a very pro VCU crowd, which I love to see. Yeah, uh, and very sp- hype. Speaking of the game against Richmond, I loved how we had the Avengers on the baseline. That would I would have given that an A plus for that crowd review. Yeah, I was actually on a flight, so I had to listen to the Odyssey app. I heard the big run on the plane before it took off of the like seven zero or whatever Richmond run. But I was going to rely on you guys for that grade, the Richmond game. Uh, Sons of Shaka were great. They, uh, they, that's their original name. I don't know if they have a new name now on the baseline by the uh, opponent's bench. But, uh, yeah, they were great. The Avengers was a good uh, theme. Richmond was a good crowd. Um, you know, where I, where I sat with my dad, um, I, I was sitting in, in those seats on Friday. We're by, right by the opponent's uh, bench. And um, it's a particular Richmond player that's about Caleb's age. I'm not going to name him right now. But he, go, he, he goes to every Richmond game. He always goes to the Richmond at BCU game. Local guy. And he always makes – and an a-hole out of himself every game he finds a way to cuss with a vcu fan every game it's him <laughs> he got in a little skirmish in pittsburgh after vcu beat richmond in 2017 in the hn semis with a friend of mine he's just an a-hole so that i experienced that but i mean that's just you know a couple times i tell my dad i'm like dad don't say anything stupid um but the atmosphere was great you know we, out, right yeah, yeah it was I, I think the atmosphere of. for the richmond game was even better than the yeah. st louis game some, okay so, uh, sorry well i was just gonna say some people were dogging the whiteout i liked it no it's i think it, oh i yeah. think it looked amazing Blackout when we wear black jersey at home. I absolutely hate that. We talked about that. I hate it. When I walk into a basketball arena and I see a t-shirt on every seat, I think it looks spiffy. I think it looks good because yeah. it feels like to me from the outside, and I think a lot of people that come to games feel like this, feels like the team sp- spent some money to make sure it was going to be a good environment, right? Not only that, it feels full even if a seat's not taken. I feel like there's someone there. Right, you know? yeah. And, and I mean – I'm all for free swag, right? I mean, sure. how about it? Come home with a free T-shirt and celebrate a win. I, I thought the Richmond game was the best atmosphere of the season. Uh, you know, all of the city shows out for the Capital City Classic. And, you know, like I said, it was a game of runs, and VCU went on a crazy run. And maybe the crowd lost some steam in the second half because the Rams are up by 15. But I think that was the best environment we've had all season. So I, that was my favorite. Yeah, just a season wrap-up as the professor grader for the stew. It was a big improvement over last year. Like the um, Ryan, the band director's back. Um, the energy's getting back to the stew. It's starting to feel like so we're head on the right track. Yeah, I even had a few listeners mention that to me. Like having Ryan back is making a difference when you go to the games. Absolutely. Did we give the St. Louis game a grade? I yeah. give that an A. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's Adam I was that. A plus. Okay. Yeah. and well, I'm saying Rich A plus. So before we end this segment, I have to lament on this one more time because I promised <laughs> Patrick Thompson that I would I would bring this up. I told him not to let me forget. Okay, he didn't say anything to me, but I remembered. <laughs> the fact that we don't play replays absolutely <laughs> boggles my mind. Jameer Watkins dunk of the entire season didn't. It got replayed maybe for five seconds. Well, here's what I will say: is VCU Ram Nation. Matt Shelton Eid, he will get out the highlight quicker than anyone I've ever seen yeah. in my life. That was I mean, on let him media. Do it. Pay him twenty dollars an hour. Oh, to they do should, it. man. Or the Toby dunk against Richmond didn't get one replay. The ace trip, super controversial call that would make us boo even longer. I just don't know nothing. Who, who do I bring that up to? Because I'm pretty close with VCU Athletics now because I've been working with them for the radio. I, I'd want you to keep your job. Maybe I'll do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe you knock yeah. on Dr. Rao's yeah. you know, no, door. No, no. Yes. create an, an anonymous email account. All right. Then I'll give you Chris Kowalczyk's email and 
you know, all the other people at the the front office for VCU, and yeah. it'll, it'll just be an anonymous right, tell email. Them to, tell them to look out for an email from ramguy123 at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> Right before we end the segment, I will say, I saw a former VCU player, Michael Anderson. You know his nickname, Caleb? Mike Nice. Mike Nice. I saw him at, I saw him at the St. Louis game Tuesday. Um, and he is rocking. So I have. I think you guys have seen my my button-up uh, practice uniform. I bought it at round two in Richmond. This is yeah. like 2014. And it's that kind of charcoalish color. Um, it actually fits me better. Than, in college, I drank more beer and i ate dude more, you ate look more, so much better than ate, you did in college ate, right ate, now. Ate, <laughs> ate more frozen pizzas back then so it it, it, it didn't because it, it fits tight in general because it's button up and the, the waist is kind of tight but it fits me great now but mike anderson was rocking <laughs> the button up on tuesday and i like pointed at him he pointed at me too so mike nice rocking rocking the swag gear I'm, I'm cracking up because i'm known now for a victory beer connor was known for victory pizza rolls in college <laughs> that's awesome just don't burn your tongue oh yeah all right, this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein of AWOD Radio, which you can hear 12 to 3, Monday through Friday on 910 The Fan. Earlier today, I had Nick Curran on the show, and I asked him, how does he feel to be A-10 regular season champs? How does it make you feel to be regular season champs in the A-10? I mean, it's feel different. Like, it's the best feeling ever. Like, after me and Ace sat on the phone, like, I mean, I went to my girl house after, but uh, me and Ace FaceTime me and we was just sat on the phone. We was just talking about like, bro, this is real. Like, I was telling him like, bro, this how happy I am to be in this position and stuff. Like, and we literally sat on the phone for like an hour after the game. Me and Ace. So here's what I will say: in the era of the transfer portal, I think it was so important for these guys to have that moment with each other in a VCU jersey lifting a trophy. No matter what happens in Brooklyn, they're gonna remember this moment in the off season. Yeah, that's a huge feat. Like we said. At the beginning of the season, obviously they they put forth their goals, and I've got to think that that is either one, two, or three. So props to those guys for getting what they what they set out for. Uh, but yeah, let's keep going. I, I like that Nick got to celebrate with his girl. It sounds like so that, that sounds that sounds like fun for Nick. But uh, hey, um, it, it's it, he mentioned he you know he was with Ace and stuff, but it's cool to um you, you hear cases uh, in in college sports or professional sports where a team's not tight. And um, professional is a little different. You know, a lot of them are married, have kids. Uh, it, it's a job. College is a little different. Um, but it's cool. Usually you can spot when a team has chemistry issues. And early on, I thought it was just more newer chemistry issues that we had. We just weren't playing well together. But it's cool when you feel like the team, are, they're, they're friends. They and, vibe. And that's that's the way I'm feeling, man. And, heck, um, the, after the Richmond game, I was listening to the post game on the drive home. And Robbie Robinson's talking to Nick Curran and stuff. And he was like, he was basically, well, Nick, what are you going to do? And Nick was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I, you know we, we play video games. Or he was asking what he was going to do on Saturday. And he basically said he was going to watch his friends play video games and just mess with them and judge them the whole time while he's watching <laughs> the NBA. And I was like, you know, they're, just, they're having a good time. They're hanging out. They, they all live together. So, they're, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a brotherhood. Yeah, it certainly is. And I, that was awesome hearing from Nick Kern earlier on my show today. Now let's hand it off to the stat monster, Caleb Jones. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. Okay, quick update on our important stats. The first being whether or not we can turn the ball over 12 times or less. We did pretty well in this department. Richmond, we turned it over seven times. St. Louis, 12. Ace had an assist, uh, eight, assists, eight assists against Richmond, three turnovers. Sixth, uh, six assists against St. Louis, four turnovers against them. But the great thing is we had 16 assists as a team in both games. That's an awesome number, a uh, number that we should strive for. Um, second thing, our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency. 
we cracked the top 20. We are 17th in the nation, which is just great to see. I mean, this is uh, vintage VCU defense. Um, Didn't Ace crack the top 10 in steals? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, I think he's like 7th in the country. Yeah, good call. Um, but, yeah, uh, interestingly enough, this team's uh, defensive identity, I feel like, is more in the half court versus the Havoc-style full-court pressure which, I mean, we just grind teams out. Typically, we make them shoot poorly from three-point line. Uh, that can be a little up or down, but we really, really make people work for the basket. Get And I think it has a uh, collective um, you know, effect. It wears you down over the course of the game. Yeah, I was just going to talk about steals. It's just so funny that Deloach is so good at steals. He had three versus St. Louis. So yeah, he's yeah. That's out. a VCU thing. Our big men... They study the film and they know how to attack an offense that just does these lazy passes back to the big man. I can think in the past, or at least Rhode Island, or not Rhode Island, but St. Joe's. There was another one. Fordham. 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 He had one or two. Yeah. Well, he, he's he's re- doing a great job reading the ball or reading the pick and roll at the top of the key or whatever. A lazy pass and he'll intercept that and take it in for a for a fast break. It reminds me of Javante Reddick was good at that. Yeah. He was, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Get a get a steal at like the free throw line and, and run down the court. It's, you mentioned steals. You mentioned how our defense is better in the half court. I, the amount of times, you know, 20, 2013 to like 2016, I feel like we were always getting steals right at midcourt. The amount of steals we get at like half court, or excuse me, at, at the, the three, the three corner, po- the that's three, where the we three get point now. line, it's it's Kern, it's Ace, it's De- I mean Deloach. And that's what you mentioned the half court defense. It's so much, it's just different than when it was, you know, seven, eight years ago when Rhodes was in the system. Yeah, you know where we totally also right. have been getting a lot of deflections is the cross-court passes that teams try, right? Where you skip a guy, you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about, Caleb? Yep. We've been just so good at just deflecting those. Yeah, I mean, Rhodes' defense right now is a thing of beauty. I mean, as you, you know, top 20 in the country would suggest that. But we don't, I mean, we do play help defense to a degree and our rotations are tight. But we do not sag off of people that are, you know, three, four passes away um, cross court. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's why we're picking off some of these passes uh, that are cross court. What do you make of Ace deciding that he wanted to shut down Gibson Jimerson? Usually you have your point guard on the other team's point guard. He was shutting down the shooting guard. Yeah, I think personally, I think that's a Rhodes decision. One is to keep Ace fresh because he's going to get pretty tired chasing Yuri uh, around all game. But I think that also speaks to the depth defensively that we have Jaden Nunn is a very very good on ball defender and maybe he's not going to get as many steals as ace but he's longer and he he occupies passing lanes and cuts people off really well when they're handling the ball yeah you just reminded me coach and Rhodes, Zeb too Damn. coach Rhodes said in the postgame press conference that he liked Jaden Nunn on Yuri Collins because he thinks Jaden Nunn has sneaky uh wingspan he does yeah totally and uh well even looking back to last year when we played Davidson and they had uh Hyung Jung Lee uh, Ace is just a tough guy that'll get up in you. And like a shooter that's not as physical, absolutely hates that. Absolutely hates it. Because, I mean, you just feel like you can't go anywhere. I mean, he's shucking him all over the court and not letting him go to where he wants to go. Um, we are 173rd on offense, so in Ken Palm adjusted offensive efficiency. So still kind of teetering in the not great zone. But if we can get the, keep, if that can steadily climb, we'll be all right. Um, Last thing, fouls for 40 on Jalen Deloach. He had four against Richmond, four against St. Louis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he probably averages three and a half a game. Uh, just got to be careful there because he's huge. We don't want to put too much on Brandon Johns, but it is nice to see a guy like Toby come in and have some valuable minutes um, in a big game. Like yeah, and, and the, the fouls that he had in the last game were frustration fouls because he wasn't getting the call. Specifically, yeah. one, uh, I think he, like, 
got his shot blocked. It should have been a foul. And then he fouled the guy grabbing the rebound. It was just an obvious, hey, I'm pissed off. I didn't get the call. I'm going to grab this guy or I'm going to go over his back. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the frustration fouls. It's the, like you talk about, the fouls 40 feet away from the basket that pissed me off. Yeah. I got two last things to note. We had four guys in double figures against Richmond, six versus St. Louis. That's awesome. I love seeing the balance and the depth on display like that. If we can, I mean, if we, if you're attacking someone from six different angles, that's really tough to defend. And the last thing is we were two for 13 again from three against St. Louis. We've had some serious stinkers against some good teams and from, from behind the arc and still won, which I think speaks a lot about this team. I love the balance scoring talk you're mentioning. Uh, I want to go to the first point you made about assists. You know, we had that little four games, uh, you called a slump. It was, our offense was kind of poor against uh, Bonaventure at Davidson. At St. Louis, it was the A-show, then home Dayton. Those four games, and then with a week off, then we went to Rhode Island. So, so five-game stretch where we did not have a lot of assists. A lot of games where we had like seven or eight assists. Since the Fordham home game, so home Fordham at St. Joe's, home Richmond, home St. Louis, like you mentioned, it's 15, 16 assists. And, you know, there's occasionally off a game where none has 35 points or something, but you've got to pass the ball. And we, we, our offense looks stagnant, and we always talk about like keeping the ball hot. Since the Fordham game, these last four games, the offense has been so much cleaner to watch, so much easier to watch for the eyes. So great point you bring up, something I've noticed as well. Yeah, and, I mean, it, we're getting open threes. We're not hitting them. But, but then you have a Nick Kern that just gets an easy pass on the wing, makes one strong move, and he's already at the rim. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's critical that we trust the, they trust their teammates and we keep the ball hot, like we've said a million times. All right, let's dive into our final regular season game of the season at GW this Saturday. And, Connor, I'm looking at their schedule. They've won four games in overtime this season? Yeah, uh, one of them was a uh, – I think the St. Joseph's and the Richmond game. The Richmond game double, was double OT. Yeah, yeah, I think St. Joe's might have been one, too. Richmond was definitely double overtime. Uh, team can score. Caputo's done a great job at GW this year. Uh, James Bishop probably going to be I – mean, he's a potential player of the year, probably A-10 first team. He was kind of in that group of, like, the Tyler Burtons of the world. It's like what team f- kind of depends on where you finish, what place you finish, but GW's going to be a top-seven team. So James Bishop's a, a first-teamer. Uh, Brendan Adams is a baller. Uh, freshman Maximus Edwards is a baller, too. And then you have Ricky Lindo Jr., a Maryland transfer. So they have talent. The big thing for them is they have a top-100 offense. So they can put the ball in the hoop. Defense is outside the top 200. So – yeah, they're going to hit a couple threes. They're going to shoot threes. You know they're going to shoot threes. They're not afraid of it. I mean, uh, James Bishop has 116 attempts in 17, 8, 10 games. I'm not doing the math at the top of my head, but that sounds like at least 10 per ten per game, I think. Um, so a lot of, you know, it, it, he's going to give a lot of shots. Um, I My expectation, I, I can see a lot of Nick Kern, because GW is not a good defensive team. Nick Kern, get him out running, get him run downhill. We'll be fine. My big thing is um... – no injuries because there's nothing to gain from this. I'm just like super nervous. Like, let's go into A10 healthy. We clinch the one seed. So that's my top priority yeah, here. Yeah, my top priority is for the offensive side of the ball to look good. We've gotten some momentum, like Connor and Caleb were saying. Last few games, you've had a ton of double digit scores. So I want, you know, ball movement. I want a lot of guys involved. I want to see the bench unit score again, but I just don't want a stinker game offensively. Yeah, I'm not saying this is a tune up game by any means because I think that we should really go out there. We have- the intention of winning it. Um, but I want to see us take care of James Bishop and Brendan Adams. I know we can play defense, but I want to see him do it again and again and again. But, I mean, these are two very talented guards, and, you know, depending on who we play in that 8-9 game, it could be Bonaventure who beat us at home. Um, you know, if we win that, we could play. We could potentially play Duquesne, who's a very strong guard. Well, heavy that's team. what like, really scares me is that 
GW has everything to play for. VCU's at top right now, 14 and 3 in the conference. Dayton, second, 12 and 5. Then Fordham, 11 and 6. St. Louis, 11 and 6. And then you have three teams at 10 and 7 with Duquesne, GW, and George Mason. I mean, it is awesome for VCU that you've got a two game lead. You've already wrapped up the one seed. But if I'm two through seven, I'm worried. Uh, GW is in a position where they can they they lose the tiebreaker to Duquesne or Mason. So if they if they lose, they're the se- they, they can't drop to the eight or nine. So they're definitely the seven. But I agree they they, they with a win and some help with Duquesne and Mason, they could be the they could be the darn five seed. Um, Caleb, you mentioned Bishop. Bishop's a talented player. You know he averages twenty two a game. If he gets twenty points, I want to see it on twenty two twenty three shots. I, I want to ma- I want to see him. He, he's going to score. He's going to score. You know that. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to I want to make him work for it. I want to I want him to go nine for twenty two from the floor. Still score about twenty, but heck, you know he wasted about five possessions on occasion. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it'll be I'll be curious to see what the matchups are. I bet, like we were just talking about, I bet you none starts out on James Bishop. I don't know. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll throw Kern on him. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll curious to see the matchups. But like I said, I think this is a great test going into the Brooklyn uh, A10 tournament. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. New episodes available for you on Spotify, iTunes, and more by searching Black and Gold Fan Podcast. And every Thursday, you'll get a new episode. And Connor's segment is a Throwback Thursday segment. It's This Week in VCU History. This Week in VCU Basketball History. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. Exactly 10 years to the day of this recording, (laughs) March 2nd, 2013, Butler came to town. Number 20 Butler at VCU. It was kind of an easy choice. Um, I almost didn't want to choose it because it's one of the most obvious games in recent, in in the last 10, 15 years at Siegel Center history, um, or VCU history in general, but especially for regular season, but a huge game, VCU-Butler. And it's weird, Butler was in the A-10 for one year. Uh, but this is year one for VCU, and at this point, we're 23 months removed from the Final Four run. Uh, we have a CAA season where we win the CAA tournament. We finished second, but we won the CAA tournament. We won an NCAA tournament game in 2012, beat Wichita State. But this is our first year in the A-10. We're playing these storied programs, St. Joe's, Temple. Temple has not left the A-10 at this point. Xavier has not left the A-10 at this point. There was rumors with the whole uh, – they called it the Big Priest, the seven Catholic schools were going to leave the Big East. But a lot of stuff hadn't been decided yet. A-10 wanted to add VCU because they wanted to, they wanted programs like VCU and Butler, uh, basketball-only programs, joining the A-10. I felt like this game, when we beat Butler, a cool 84-52. to Noon game, ESPN 2, second to last weekend of the year, and we dominated them. Brad Stevens just kind of just gave up in that game. I feel like he, he, he sat for the last 12 minutes. Um, we're up 45-21. Obviously, the, the big play early on is Briante's dunk. But I felt like that was, a, that was a, a message. Hey, A-10, you know, we don't run the conference by any means, and BCU still doesn't run the conference, but we are, we are one of the premier programs in this conference. We were not a flash in the pan in 2011. We, weren't a, a, we, didn't, we didn't just carry that into 2012. When We're going to compete for A-10 titles every year. Uh, and that was the message we sent when we beat Butler that day. We entered 22-6, and 10-3 um, and three in the A-10. That, that was a 16-game A-10 schedule at the point. Butler entered 22-6 and six as well, 9-4. and four. So they were one game back. I mean, Butler wins a road game. All of a sudden, we dropped to, like, third or fourth place. We finished second place that year. Butler finished fifth. Both of, both of us go to the NCAA tournament. Both won one game in the tournament. Um, but it was such an easy game to choose because it's one of the hypest games ever. Briante has the crazy dunk, like I said earlier. BCU in the stands. Weber picks the pocket, goes in, and forces a one-handed dunk. He just picked it right from Joe's, and he was all by himself. Butler had 23 turnovers, and I looked up this morning. 
Ken Palm, they were number 12 in the nation in turnover percentage. It was like playing like a day, like a, like a vintage Davidson team that just or you, some of Tony Bennett's teams with like Todd Ram and Kyle Guy never turned the ball over. Butler was twelfth in the nation in turnover percentage, twenty three turnovers that day. Um, so overall, it was a pretty easy game. I, um, I I was a sophomore at the time. I mean, Chris, yeah, you were already at VCU at this point, right? Oh yeah, that's my favorite game I've ever been to at VCU. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't wait for you to ask. Yeah, because so, uh, so yeah. is is it an easy choice? Um, I, again, I, that game and the LSU game. And even the Texas game that we lost. Sometimes I feel like they're not that they're overused, but I feel like it's so easy to choose those. I mean, heck, for me, I, a week ago I, I was deciding between the GW game from 2016 or the Michael Doles game in 2005 when he came back and won. There's old games at the Seagull Center that were still loud as hell, but this game specifically on ESPN two, you know, we, we wanted to get Butler back for for beating us in the Final Four two years prior. Um, still one of the loudest when Briante makes that dunk when he just you know pick is, is it Rose Brown he pickpocketed? Yeah, but, yeah, that he was that big. Big point guard. Yeah, he was the point. Uh, he was the point forward for them. Yeah, because yeah. Rodney Clark was the kind of shorter. He was the Arkansas transfer. He was the guard for them. But Roosevelt Brown was kind of the point forward. Uh, but he pickpockets him, goes for a dunk, and Stevens. Brad Stevens is kind of arguing, but I love seeing Brad Stevens, a mastermind. He was like the boy wonder at that point, the young coach, and he uh, he just gave up. Um, yeah, and it's that iconic picture, like Briante in the yeah. air, and like you can see Brad Stevens. It's it, just, he's just he's got his arms <laughs> crossed, just in the background, like oh boy. So yeah, overall we had eighty four points that day. Incredibly balanced scoring. Who do you think led us that in scoring that day? Javante Reddick. Uh, he was tied for tied for second. So three guys had eleven points. He had eleven points and four rebounds that day. Travion. Uh, Mel, you said Melvin. Yeah, Melvin off the bench had seven points. Travion had eleven, and I know he didn't lead us in scoring because he hadn't scored. He was our leading scorer, and right before the half, he had a three with like two seconds left, and uh, Robbie yells, "Travion's off the board!" He like yells it real loud. <laughs> or uh, maybe Briante. Uh, Briante off the bench had 11 points, uh, two steals, two assists. So he was. So we we have the, the three 11 point guy, 11 point guys. Trevion, Reddick, and Weber all had 11 points. And Troy. Troy had 20 points. Troy Daniels. Yeah, four of eight from the three point line, six of six from free throw. That's my guy. So, yeah, Troy balled out that day. Other guys. Um, I already said Melvin Johnson had seven. Um, okay, let's see here. Okay, two guys had eight. Two starters had eight points. So we already mentioned Trevor, Trevion, Javante, and Troy Daniels all start. They all started. Two other starters had eight points. DJ Haley did not start, but had uh, seven points. <laughs> he had two, seven two, points? Two, had, excuse me, had two points, and he oh. le- he left the school like three days later. I saw him at ZZQ last week. Uh, dude, Side he's bar. at bingo beer all the time. I saw him and Rob Brandenburg there like, dancing a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they're still boys. But, yeah, two other, uh, two other starters. Brandenburg? Uh, Brandenburg had eight points, uh, four rebounds. Jordan Burgess? Uh, Jordan Burgess, he was he sat out that year. Jared Guest. Jared Guest played uh, 12 minutes, zero points. That's a Jared Guest, that one. Is that like a Terry Larry or someone? Not, a, not at VCU yet. Who are we missing, man? Um don't tell unless me. Someone, unless someone already said him. Was he? Jaquan. Jaquan's not a BC. Was it yet. a transfer? Uh, No. Ooh. Unless I totally missed it. Bradford what, wasn't on the team Bradford anymore. was not there yet. Oh. I mean, he graduated. Jo- Justin Tillman's not there yet. No. Uh, Javante already, we already mm, talked uh, about. You already said Reddick, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Reddick, Graham, Brandenburg, and Daniels all started. Spoiler alert. It was Daniels. Yeah, no, no eight points. Oh, my so gosh. There's, there's one, two, there's three other players no one's mentioned yet. So, hold on. So, that's the thing that always confuses me. So, Theus was on that team, Weber was on that team, and Jaquan Lewis or no? Jaquan Lewis is not there yet. He's okay. A, yeah, he's in high school. So, it's Theus and Weber so were the point There's guards. three players you have not, you guys have not mentioned. You you know all three of them. One of them is a sophomore guard. Jaquan Lyles? Jairus Lyles is not there Jairus Lyles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sophomore guard. Teddy Oki Raper. Teddy Oki Raper played Woo! five minutes and scored six points in this game. There we go. Uh, we got two other guys. One of them was a freshman, only played one year at VCU, and then one of them's a senior and has got Ooh. a cool... 
Uh, no. Got a cool job now. The seniors got a cool, really cool job. David Hinton. David, David Hinton played three minutes Ooh. zero points. All right, the last one, it's like right on the tip he, of I my mean, tongue. I mean, on Twitter like three days ago, him and Melvin Johnson just posted a picture. They just played against each other in Europe. Oh, uh, Justin Toyo. Justin Toyo played four minutes at zero points. Who uh, was awesome at Chattanooga. Very, he went, he went, with Wade, went with Wade to Chattanooga, of all places. And but, then uh, didn't he play for the VCU TBT team? Twice, yeah. I believe. Yeah. But uh, it was such Once an important game. And we, we, we kicked Butler's butt. Talk about a program that's kind of in a weird well, place right Connor, now. I was going to ask you, what is the history of Butler changing conferences? So they, they were in the Horizon League for years. I, you know, I don't know about the 80s and 90s, but they were in the Horizon League when they made the Final Four runs in 2010 and 20, or the championship runs in 2010 and 2011. Uh, they got asked, you know, we joined, the 2012 season ends our freshman year. We got asked, like, in, we announced it in May that July 1st, 2012, we were joining the A-10. So did Butler. Butler plays one year in the A-10. Big East has the whole separation because they're losing Syracuse and Pitt to the ACC. Um, eventually Rutgers to the Big Ten, but they called it the Big Priest was kind of that exit. It was the seven Catholic schools that were going to yeah. create the new Big East, essentially. And they needed, they wanted three Catholic basketball-only schools, and it was Butler, Xavier. So Butler, one year in the A-10, goes to the Big East. Xavier, long-time A-10 member, goes to the Big East. Creighton, long-time Missouri Valley Conference member, goes to the Big East. And what about Temple? Temple goes to the American because they have football. Right. So um, so this game you're talking about, was but, was that the one year Butler was in the A-10 with us? One year because they finished they they in, they finished tied for third that year in the A-10. So we one was St. Louis, we were two. Tied for third was in order, Temple, LaSalle, Butler. Um, so all those five, times, five teams I mentioned all made the tournament that year. Speaking of the A-10 tournament um, and our first year in Brooklyn, right, mm-hmm. uh, we played them in the semis, correct? We played UMass in the semis. Okay, then we played them in the quarters. We, uh, I have a – this is right when I got Instagram and I took a picture <laughs> right before the Butler game. And I'm not kidding. It's You can look at it. It's literally sideways. I was so drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, we played UMass because uh, Hofstra transfer, Chaz, Will, Chaz Williams. Yeah, yeah. He, um, the night beforehand, they were playing GW in the quarterfinal game, and uh, I was just sitting there watching, and his brother was, like, sitting there, and I was just chatting with his brother for a while. But, yeah, we beat UMass and then lost to St. Louis in the title game. Yeah. But a uh, fun memory, sophomore year of college, kind of our, our – awakening you know our our, uh, our smack in the face of the Atlantic 10 conference so you mentioned Butler all right and I have to bring this up as a podcast conversation just on the fly here because I remembered a listener asked me this do you want VCU to make a move towards the Big East um yeah I would love to make a move to the Big East <laughs> Does the Big East want us? That's takes two to tango. But like, why wouldn't the Big East be interested? Every I, year we have a great basketball program. We don't do football. We put emphasis on all the other sports that they care about. I was someone, uh, or I talked to someone that has a lot of rumors, and they're pretty far fetched a lot of times. And he said that we were trying to get in the Big East, and there was some actual traction to it. Um, and this was a few years ago, so clearly it was uh, not true. But. I don't know. There could be – we could be trying to get in. I don't That'd know. That would be crazy to have, like, UConn and Nova at the stew. But, like, yeah, I don't think they view us as, like, oh, you're, like, a mid-major. It's not like, oh, man, you're joining – we got VCU. You like, would, If the Big East thinks Richmond is a media mar- – quality media market in the 60s, I want to say. If they find it to, to be a media market that that's not being used by the Big East or it could, could help the Big East, we'll just – will be asked to join. Yeah. I think if you, not, I don't think it I don't you, even think it's a conversation. You'd have to go hand in hand with someone like Dayton, right? 
but I mean, what is Dayton, Ohio, adding to the media market? No, they have they have they have Xavier's in Cincinnati. Right. So and they, they already, hate each other. I've heard that Xavier yeah. would never allow. I've heard Dayton. Georgetown with us too, but yeah, exactly. Z- yeah, Xavier, you already have the Ohio market. So, well, if yeah. you just look at the Big East right now and how VCU would stack up against them, I think we would beat Georgetown this year. Obviously, DePaul, Butler, St. John's, and I think we'd have a good game against Seton Hall. Didn't we beat Seton Hall like two or three years ago, Connor? We, we lost. lost to them Rhodes first year in, was, in Jersey. Yeah, uh, but it was a close game. We also lost them in the Charleston Classic. Yeah, Shaka Charleston Classic. My, our our, our freshman year, we lost them in the Charleston Classic by yeah. like, like 18 or yeah, something. Yeah, that and, was uh, – what was that? They had a bald point guard that was really good. Oh, I know He looked like he about. was like 50 years old, but he just – He dogged us. But the, he became the head coach. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Might it? No, yeah, Shaheen, Shaheen he was late. He was late 90. Shaheen yeah, was late yeah, yeah. But he looked but like – like like yeah. He did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the like the type of program they're looking at is Gonzaga, which has been – rumored but it's travel so the, that's not going to happen but like that's what that's like what the big east is looking at like you need four national champion old member yukon to join or right. like that final four lead eight level like the day that people just totally defied the geographical aspect of conference alignment and just go after gonzaga to the big east i'm i don't know that that might be it for me <laughs> that just makes yeah. no sense um, all right here it's time for awad's energy It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? I said it on my show earlier this week. I think we, as a fan base, need to celebrate this A-10 regular season trophy and make it as big of a deal as I believe it should be. these student athletes are going to remember this for the rest of their life. You know, Joey Rodriguez tweeted out yesterday, where's everybody's tweets now that we're talking about Coach Rhodes losing his job? Look at the job that he's done this season with this team. Again, A-10 champs. And so, yeah, my energy is just that we shut up the haters. Where are the receipts at now? Because there were a ton of people not just calling for Coach Rhodes' job, but calling out players, calling out uh, faculty members, just talking about how VCU basketball has fallen off. No, it hasn't fallen off. In fact, we're back on the mountaintop once again this season. Yeah, a, oh, oh, go ahead, Connor. It's amazing what winning winning does. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 your energy segment here, you know, you, you got to take pride in regular season titles. Contrary to popular belief, winning is not easy. Um, you know, Caleb and I remember, you know, you remember some really bad years in the late nineties, yeah. but, but early two thousands, there was like uh. 2,500, people on a good day coming to the Seagull center. Like we had good teams in the early two that like 2005, 2004, 2005, and it was still, you know, 6%, 6,000 people there. But, um, it, it feels good to win a title. I don't think there's some, even there are even longtime VCU fans. So I'm not sure they appreciate, we've had five coaches in my, really six coaches. Matt McCarthy was before we got good. We've like never really missed a beat. Um, a coach leaving or coaches leaving in our case, like really affects recruiting cycles like badly. Um, it affects, you know, players wanting to to sign someplace if they're worried a coach is going to leave. That That's a thing. You can't just expect to constantly win at all times with new coaches. And we've kind of been fortunate. We have not missed on a hire in my lifetime. I no, mean, and you and you bring up a great point because I always think back to myself of what would have been if Shaka stayed one more year with the recruiting class that he had, was supposed to be the greatest recruiting class of all time, but then Coach Wade stepped in and, and had a stellar season. So it's like we didn't really have a step back. Props to the athletic de- department for the continuity and, and you know, c- continuing the winning tradition. I mean, that's really a remarkable feat. I mean, especially now, 
given the transfer portal, dealing with that NIL. Like, Rhodes has had a lot of different things to deal with over the past six or seven years, and uh, my man just keeps winning. It's already a super easy guy to root for. I mean, he's just a good dude, and you can tell, like, Nick Kern in your interview with him on the radio today, he was like, Rhodes is a father figure to us. Like, he he is the linchpin that keeps this entire team together, and uh, it, it shows. So, I mean, oh, yeah. awesome job for Rhodes, and he deserves Coach of the Year. I love that. I mean, and I think you can be honest with Coach Rhodes with his strengths and his weaknesses. His strengths are he's a father figure. His defense is always elite. And his weakness is that sometimes the offense, you know, the ball movement gets stuck. But that's not really his fault at times, you know. And he did make changes to the offense and changes to the starting lineup, and they all walked, worked out. So it's hard to question any move that he made this season. This is the Black and Gold Fan Pod. Midday host, Awad with his VCU alum friends discussing the basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. You can get in touch with us on social media at Black Gold Fan Pod and spread the word to your friends. You can also send us a voicemail that we play on the show. This one comes from our friend uh, Bobby, who's been listening to the pod. Hey, fellas. Big fan of the show. Love talking VCU basketball with you guys. Love listening to the podcast. Uh, always gets me fired up for the next game. I just want to say how proud I am of this VCU team. Man, they fought through a lot of adversity, injuries this year. Uh, come from behind wins. Um, they're really peaking at the right time. And it looks like they're having fun doing it, too. Also got to give a shout-out to all the fans at the Stew. What an atmosphere on Tuesday. That, that really felt like old-school VCU basketball. Kind of back to normal. Man, it got loud. So a lot of fun. Great season. Um, my question to you is, what have you been more impressed with the second half of the season? David Schreiber stepping up on the defensive side of the ball, especially the last three games, or Nick Kern coming in and providing quality shots and ball control, whether he's off the bench or starting? Thanks a lot, guys. Go Rams. Love that question from Bobby, and he's so right about the the feel at the Seagull Center on Tuesday. It felt pre-pandemic, like it felt like I was back at school again. So I love that. I'll answer his question first, and I'm going to go with Nick Kern. Now, here's what I will say is, it's not completely surprising to me because I think I said on the first pod that Nick Kern's my X factor because I feel like he has a lot of Keyshawn Curry in his game. And I felt like, man, he could have a 15-point game, a 17-point game if he got the layups and dunks that he's been getting. So that would be my answer. What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, I, first off, I don't want to overshadow Shriver on defense. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, the, the block he had on Terrence Hargrove, I mean, it tells the whole story. He's he's I mean he's playing good defense and rebounding at a, a pretty good level. So he's he's not just out there to shoot the ball and oh yeah, he's a great decoy on offense. But yeah, Nick Kern, you expect the defense from him. He's a great defender, no doubt about that. He has been and that's why he cracked a rotation. But what he's given you on offense is just an it's another layer. It's it's just total gravy on top and uh I mean if he can get into double figures, I mean look out. Bobby, Bobby, appreciate the listen. Appreciate the, the voicemail too, man. Uh, I agree. It was a it was a pumped up stew on Tuesday night. Great question. Two great players that have made an impact, especially you know really in the in the um, in the non conference or in the in in, the, in conference play since the non conference play. Uh, I look at Shriver. You know, being able to shoot the ball was so huge for him. But there were times early in the season, even at Dayton in January, I was like, ah, some of these matchups, man. I don't I don't know if he fits in. The fact that we have a player that we didn't think in December could slide down to play the four occasionally and it's not Jameer Watkins it's Shriver it's changed the it, him 
being a, playing good defense now has changed it a lot because he already is a decoy, like Caleb said. If he's not hitting a three ball, he, him just standing there knowing he can pick and pop all of a sudden. Got to respect it. So that's something that that is a something I didn't see happening, honestly, in November, December, shooting and defense. All right, final thoughts. Another great episode. Caleb, let's start with you. Close out the season strong. Uh, let's gear up and, and bring our A game to Brooklyn. Um, I'm very excited to be the one seed. Um, not too excited about leaving Richmond. It's you know 3 a.m. to get there for a noon game. But, hey, we'll make it work. But in all seriousness, I uh, this team's got what it takes to win a championship. I think that when I define the success of a season, the, the regular season championship is awesome, and I will not forget that. <laughs> But us making the tournament is really, really what I define uh, success with the season. Um, so I hope that we can put together three solid games and, and take it home. And I, I think we can do that. Uh, I'm all on board there, man. Uh, final thoughts for me. Uh, A-10's got you know one last weekend. Uh, St. Joe's is the one team that's already finished their season, 15 teams, so someone's already got to be done. Uh, but we, it's crazy. One more weekend left. Only three teams have solidified their spots. VCU's the one. Dayton's the two. Dayton could end up being tied for a second, but they will have the tiebreaker no matter what. So Dayton's the two seed. Loyola's the 15 seed. Uh, 13 and 14 in either order is UMass Rody. But I'm looking at, me personally, is what happens in the 8-9 game. Because uh, there's that cutoff. If you're, looking at, if, if you're listening to the pod still, pull up the standings real quick. Because I'm going to deep dive in about 30 seconds. Uh, but after GW, Mason, Duquesne that are 10 and 7, seven uh, tied for fifth place, it's 8 to, eight to 12 right now. There's five teams that could be in the 8-9 game. Bonaventure is the big one. They're eight and nine. If they win at UMass, hundred percent, they're in the eight and nine game. St. Joe's isn't playing. LaSalle, Richmond, and Davidson. LaSalle hosts Loyola. Richmond hosts Mason. Davidson goes to Rhode Island. The team with the toughest position to be able to play in the eight and nine game is Richmond because Richmond lost LaSalle, St. Joe's, and Bonaventure. So Richmond needs a lot of help. I'm intrigued for that game because this affects BCU. Now you go up, you go farther up the bracket. Third, fourth, third and fourth right now. Fordham in St. Louis. St. Louis does not have the tiebreaker for Fordham. So if they have the same record at the end of the year, they cannot pass them. Crazy thing with Fordham, they could be third, fifth, or sixth. They cannot be fourth based off tiebreakers. So they'll be third, fifth, or sixth. And heck, Duquesne at Fordham last week of the year in the Bronx. So I'm excited, man. Uh, crazy scenarios coming up. Yeah, that's a really good, concise, uh, you know, crunch of all this data here <laughs> yeah don't be surprised if mason jumps up a lot of spots yeah they can get they can't get to four they can get to five though i know that oh i thought they could get to four if okay. i don't they lost to um they lost to st louis and duquesne i th- maybe i think some funky stuff has to happen though. so um yeah here's the rub here um we're there's a pretty good chance in the quarterfinals and the semifinals we're gonna play two teams that we lost to payback i like that mentality who who do y'all or who do you Connor at least you guys are free to answer? Who do you want to see the least in each one of those games? So you're saying Duquesne or Bonaventure, right? Yeah, probably Bonaventure because they're going to have a decent amount of fans there. But at twelve o'clock on a Thursday, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, the only team I I wanted on the other side of the bracket all year long was Dayton, and we know they're on the other side of the bracket. Um, yeah. So the rest rest of it to me is all a bunch of tomfoolery. But yeah. that's my opinion. And I'm not afraid of Duquesne because everyone on the team is still pissed from that loss. Uh, that is a fact. You can just tell the players when, if someone says Duquesne. I hope so. Yeah. So here's my <laughs> final thoughts. All right, this season. All right, and Connor chime in, Caleb chime in. If I'm missing one of these, same with you, Chris. We've had the Ace Baldwin game, 37 points. We had the David Shriver game, steal and three-pointer against Dayton. The Jaden Nunn game, 31 points. The Nick Kern game, 17 points, leading us to victory. Saturday, 
will be the JJ Deloach game. I got him going for 20 and 10 against G Dub. I love that. Jameer, like that the Jameer Watkins game at Richmond where he had 15 and 10. That's another game, too. And the, the Zeb game. The, the, game. Oh, the yeah. Zeb game. Yeah. How did I forget De, about that? Deloge has been Mr. Like, he gets 12 points and 8 rebounds and just does a lot of dirty work. I think uh, uh, Ricky Lindo Jr. can get boards for GW. They're not a they're not a great defensive team. I could see Deloge having, like, 16 points and, like, 14 rebounds against GW. I'm all on board on that pick, Adam. You've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Go Rams, go.